up, Internet, and welcome to the Pitch for Pitch podcast, the only podcast where two pitches enter and one pitch leaves. Each week, we compete to pitch your craziest pop culture story ideas. With me today, I have the heavyweight champion of my basement, Jonathan Oprah. Uh, and I'm your faithful host, two kids stacked on top of each other wearing a trench coat, Terry Smith. It's two kids and you're still that short? Yes. Oof. I didn't say how old they were, <laughs> which would say a lot about my maturity. <laughs> So, okay, so what do we got going on today? I think we were going with an 80s episode. Not that it has anything to do with anything, but that's what I felt like recording today. So this one is 80s Pro Tag Swap. That is what was pitched to me as the theme. So we're going to start with our fun co-op section where we work together on a few pitches before I completely trounce you in our versus competition. That's likely. I've probably seen two movies on this whole list. Really? Yeah. I know I, I, I often joke about what hole you lived underneath uh, or in or boulder under whatever that scene is when you're under a rock. But really, you've seen two no, or no, three no, 80s I, movies? I live under the rock in the person who lives under a rock's basement. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So first up, we have what was pitched to me as Back to the Future, but if they were actually in 2015 and not starring the original Marty McFly. That'd be a really boring movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think so. I, I think what they're talking about is there was an actor uh, I can't remember his name that played Marty and filmed about half of that movie before they okay. replaced him with Michael J. Fox. Okay. And his whole take was that he was a little bit more serious and didn't quite get the campiness of okay. the script. That's why they replaced him. Yeah. You know, Corey Stoltz. Um, can't remember. Either way, so th- if it was twenty, the real twenty fifteen, because I think that's when Back to the Future Two takes place. Okay. Twenty fifteen. I think that's what they're saying. So, if it was our 2015, it starts out in the dark timeline. Like, uh, in Back to the Future 2, he goes back and Biff used his fortune of going back in time and talking to himself and giving him the almanac to where he was rich. So, he kind of becomes the Donald Trump of that era oh God. and, like, rules this town. <laughs> like, it's like this Las Vegas type, like, dystopia. Since that's kind of already our world, I think you start out in that dark timeline. <laughs> so, it's going back in changing the election yeah <laughs> is this in russia yeah, no no but i think you have moments like that and like, you almost have a ferris uh not ferris a forrest gump type situation where like you slip them into different moments you have them talking to putin <laughs> you know unrigging the election even though it wasn't rigged people people voted for donald trump i don't know where this crazy stuff happens there was russian meddling but only like they paid attention people voted for donald trump we just live in a weird country that people do those things um so biff is president and i think it's this marty's version it's a little bit darker but he's trying to fix it okay i think this like it's not that his version is messed up because of what he did in the first movie. It's that the normal version is still messed up. It's like, okay, Doc, listen, we need to go back and we can we can change this. So instead of we can fix this, it's, we should we change sh- We this. should change it. We should go back and meddle. Okay. I think it is what you do a little bit differently. And I think you can still in, throw in some of the camp there. But if you're playing with not Michael J. Fox, if you're playing with somebody else who's playing it a little bit more serious, you do it more... Uh, television showy like something to play on hulu where it's like there's kind of a dark tinge to it but there's jokes but really like definitely not robert zemeckis you can't can't have any of the steven spielberg heart yeah there you have to play it kind of dark maybe more like uh oh almanac that movie that came out last year you know I don't know. No, but um, okay. Kids who discover time travel. Okay. One of, one of their parents is working on time traveling, and like the did, whole timey wimeyness gets messed up. Did the time travel happen through a time machine? Oh yeah, yeah. It, or yeah. through a hot tub? I'm no, sorry. no, it was oh. not a hot tub time machine. 
We have a section later on that talks about hot tub time machines. So <laughs> don't, go, don't go too far into that. But I think you play with that. I think you do play with instead of Trump, it is Biff. You throw in those characters, yeah. and you you play into what we joke about with Donald Trump, like that. Uh, he doesn't know what's going on. Like he understands he's president, kinda, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> like Biff, like has fallen into this and is not prepared for it. No, he's not into it. And I think he helps Marty this time. He's like, I don't want to be president. <laughs> Help me, please change this. Please Everything change went bad. Yes, I think I think that's the joke. Is that he is in on it and he's trying to help him. So you have him going back in time, kind of like in Back to the Future too. But instead of him being the antagonist and giving his younger self the almanac, he's going back in time and trying to like make his younger self make better decisions. <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't have to be president because it sucks. It's not nearly as fun as he thought it would be. <laughs> I, I think that is the the comedy. Is of this it. a movie or a TV show? I I think it's a made for TV movie. Okay. I think it's a made for TV movie, but not on TV. It's on Hulu. Okay. So you still have the commercial breaks, but it has a little bit more of a budget than what like Lifetime would do or something. So it's like a it's like a made for TV movie in the style. Of like a '90s made-for-TV movie, yes. Except filmed for a modern audience, yes. So kind of <laughs> that's kind of what Fuller House ended up being. It's just bad. <laughs> They're like, oh, you know, all that nostalgia you had for Full House. Let's do that, but kind of for adults, but kind of for families. But on Netflix, so we can push it, but it doesn't make sense to push it because none of the people we're pushing it for are watching this, you know, like that. So again, a terrible film, probably. Is <laughs> what I'm saying. Let's make Back to the Future not great again. <laughs> Ouch. But I think that's what, that's the tagline for the movie, make the future great again. <laughs> <laughs> You'll attract a bunch of people, oh, this movie's garbage. And I think you do what the Back to the Futures don't do is throw in a montage sequence where it's all the times they did mess up going back and forth. Okay. You, and one of the realities is a purge-like situation. <laughs> and I think you pay, and you do, again, you do the Forrest Gump thing where you just pay for footage from um, real life, like having like crazy like stereotype situations. And then you have... Like other films, like they just pop into footage from The Purge, <laughs> and it's just like Marty and Biff running. This sounds like a Rick and Morty episode. It almost does exactly. I mean, that's what Rick and Morty is based on, so like, it's not that crazy of it. And also, there is a Rick and Morty Purge episode. Yeah, no, I remember that one. <laughs> but I think also, I think you can play around with it a little bit more for taking it a little bit more seriously for a second is doc dies and biff now kind of has to be the mentor kind of because even though he's a shitty person and not that bright he still has lived a full life so like he does have some legitimate life advice for marty and it doesn't change marty is not nearly as as good of a role model or anything like that but you do have him learning some things like maybe he teaches him how to throw a punch you know something that like doc would never have taught him <laughs> you know just little things like that even though marty was a cool kid in the original movies. Oh, God. Does he teach Marty how to beat himself up? Oh, man. That would be cool. <laughs> that you do flashback. Like, that's really... And then he teaches his dad, who punches Biff. Oh, man. It's a whole timey-wimey <laughs> mess. It's almost like time travel movies don't make sense. <laughs> it's almost like time travel doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's that's probably the one thing I like about Doctor Who consistently across the board. They're just like, it doesn't matter. Let's have some fun. Yep. So, like, we have that. All right, so that's... <laughs> oh, this? No, this is nonsense. <laughs> this is nonsense. It's Come more like along a, with us. It's much more like a rug, really. Um, <laughs> the next one up, I like this one, is Lost Boys, starring the Lost Boys from Peter Pan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, still vampires. Yep. New kid that moves to town is Peter Pan. Okay. And the Lost Boys are kind of like the Frog Brothers, and the pirates are like the vampires. Okay. So, yeah, I so, mean... 
Yeah. See, you you play on it like you make it more grungy '80s hair metal type stuff like this they is did. Still a movie. It's this still a movie. Be a movie. Yeah. You you do. There's a there's a really famous scene that a really famous saxophonist plays at the beginning of Lost Boys, and everyone remembers it because he's shirtless and he's wearing these pink tights, and he plays like the sexy sax man like type solo, and that's like the one thing people are like, oh yeah, that's Lost Boys. Well, there's also Kiefer Sutherland and <laughs> and Corey Hain. <laughs> there's other things that happen, but they're always like, yeah, that's the one with the saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think you can play around a little bit with uh, Santa Monica being like Neverland. I have one request. What's that? Can Dustin Hoffman play the grandfather? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a callback to Lost Boys, but also pan, uh, not Pan. Uh, Hook. Hook. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the grumpy old man. I, how old is Dustin Hoffman now? He's got to be old. He's got to be old. He's got to be old enough to play that type of role. It's just hard because a lot of those people that come up, they just don't look that old. Yeah. Even when they play the old man, like he played an older character in like Meet the Fockers, but it's still like he still has one of those faces where like he can't pull off the old old man. Yeah. But I think he could do it. I just wanted that call back to Hook. <laughs> That's all. You know, I rewatched Hook and like I understand when people are like, no, it's good because it's nostalgic. And I had the same thing. Like I love Hook. It's not a good film, but I love it. But rewatching it again, I'm like, that movie's oddly dark and it's, not in like yeah it's surprisingly dark yeah and, and like it's it's i think it's why our generation is so obsessed with like zeitgeist reboots and stuff like that because that movie is all just references while making it serious yeah it, it's it's like the power rangers movie and people are gonna hate me for making that comparison where it's like it's like power rangers but just barely but like really we're just making a dark tale about teenagers and they also morph into superheroes <laughs> this is like let's make a dark like you know midlife crisis movie also he's peter pan fuck it like, <laughs> like yeah yeah, I mean that's that's what the movie is. There's also, and I think we play around with this a little bit, just because I rewatching it, it was really strange for me. There's a really strange scene where Robin Williams is sitting with Professor McGonagall. I forget that actress, okay. Maggie Smith. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she play she's the original Wendy. Yeah. And there's kind of like a weird thing where he like she's kind of on her deathbed and he visits her and. Yep. And she raised him, yep. but she has like this sexual tension with him because she was in love with Peter. Yeah. It's really fucking weird. Yes. <laughs> I think it's intended to be. I, 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 but it's, like, do we need that in a Peter Pan film? No, but it's it's that like unresolved, you didn't come back for me. Yes. You came back for my daughter. Daughter, yeah. It's just so weird. Or granddaughter? Grand, uh, granddaughter, Granddaughter, yes. yeah. So yes. even, huh. But I think, but I think you can- Is it granddaughter yeah. or is it Daughter. It's one of the two. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's Hook. Yeah. Julia Roberts is there for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I think you play around with a lot of that stuff. Do you make the pirates vampires? Or do you make the the whole scary thing is you tr- being transformed into a pirate? It's like they mentioned no, that I in think, some of the... I think, you, I think you make them vampires. Do you? Because, I mean, I, there was some interesting lore, which is that, like, the Lost Boys are... They're sort of trying to recruit the Lost Boys into becoming pirates. Okay. So, like, if you yeah, no, 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 join yeah. them up, that's when you grow up yeah. and you're still stuck in Neverland? Yeah. You you grow up, though. Yeah, and that's, like, the vampire boogeyman? Yeah. Well, yeah, because you grow up, but... Spoilers for the book, Peter Pan... But Peter doesn't kill, kill you. you. Yeah. Because you, like, they protect you and you actually grow into an adult, adult? I yeah, think. Yeah, I... Makes no sense. <laughs> it's almost like it's based on a public domain story that people haven't thought into a mythos. Maybe. I think there's something to be said though. I think you could play around with that a little bit. Um, with them turning old. That's like the that's the vampire curses. Yeah, it's them growing old. up. It's... Yeah, but you're still stuck there in Neverland. But you're pirates now. Yeah, but it's it. That's not the the point. Is that you're an adult. Adult. Yeah. Yeah. You have responsibilities. You have to. 
Which I would, and I, I get the analogy they go for in that, but completely lost on the Lost Boys because, like, the pirates are, like, the one group of adults that don't have responsibilities. No, yeah. They just, they just steal shit. They just, they plunder. They're pi- that's what pirates are. Yeah. But they, they're evil is yes. why they're pirates. They're evil because they're, cause they're adults. Yeah. And yeah. But I'm just saying, like, I think someone got lost in their analogy along the way. Like, yeah, no, there, there's got to have been another option that was that was also representative of them growing up and being bad that would also fit in that weird lawyers. fantasy land. But you don't need a group of lawyers in this fantasy land. Is, that, is that what Pan is? Peter Banning in yeah, The Hook? Is yeah, he a lawyer? A lawyer. Oh, man, I stumbled upon it. That's no, the connection. No, and that's, that's the thing is he's uh, in the movie – like the pirates are like, you're a lawyer. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> we're the famous pirates. Peter Pan. We're pirates, but we're not lawyers. Rufy. Oh. oh man, <laughs> I think I think there's there is I think there's an interesting IP in there somewhere that you mess around with that building of the mythos of it. See, I think I think making them lawyers would actually fit more. If you modernize it, yeah. if you don't put it in the... <laughs> if you do the Romeo plus Juliet version. Yeah, no, no, ex- exactly. <laughs> it, but you, you basically take it... So it's not in this fantasy land where growing up means you become a pirate because that's right. the only evil thing that would fit in this fantasy land. You become an adult, you become a pirate, but you become a lawyer because you're... And you become like a, a defense attorney or something. That's I have like, two ideas for this. Go ahead. One, we do exactly what you're saying and it goes back and forth... In the style of Once Upon a Time. Okay. So, like, some episodes, they're the lawyers. Some episodes, they're yeah. the pirates. Oh, oh absolutely. the same narrative. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The second idea is we don't do any of that. It's still, like, what we were talking about before with the vampire pirate thing. But season two, the cliffhanger of season one is Peter gets turned. They don't save him in time. He turns okay. to an adult. Season two is Hook. Okay. So you like you have him be the lawyer, you have him coming back, and he's trying to save the guys that didn't get turned. And the new, and other than Smee and Captain Hook, there are they are the Lost Boys. And it's him realizing he messed up, and he's trying to save the ones he couldn't save before. I, oh man, this feels it's less that's, like it's getting like, more and more I, like I, an interesting Peter Pan, and less like the Lost Boys. I think the movie. that's I think that's like a movie. That's a pair of movies that you could only do if the first one was a huge hit fifteen years ago. <laughs> Right. Or you'd have to like wait fifteen years because I think when did Hook come out? In, like nineties? It was in like the ni- early nineties. Early nineties, okay. Um, but the the whole thing of it is you have to. I think you have to have that real passage of time. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, it's like, <laughs> oh, last year he became a pirate. This year he's forty five years old and he realized that. It's I think that's bad. the fun because like if you you save it and you're they're vampires. We play along that analogy. You know you have the Frog Brothers type characters of some of the Lost Boys who survived and they, like a little brother is like the Wendy's family. You know mm-hmm. like you're throwing them in. Um, I think if you play with that stuff, you you don't do it like that where it's the legitimate passage of time. You have those two different actors because then they save Peter again and you do some timey wimey magical fairy dust bullshit and he's young again. You go back to the old actor. And then you make a bunch of references to that terrible movie, Hook. Or is it Pan? Not Hook. Uh, Pan? What's the one where it was when it shows the the origin of Captain Hook and Peter Pan? I don't know. And they, they're fighting off Blackbeard with Hugh Jackman, I think. I don't know. I've I never think seen it was that movie. one. I think that one was called Pan. It's not good. Don't worry about it. Don't watch it. But I, again, I think you're just throwing. There's a million different references. They've done Peter Pan a bunch of different times. But I think that's like again, we're trying to make Peter Pan good now. Mix, trying to get more of the Lost Boys into it. I think you do lean harder into Hook because you have some yeah. of the older characters. Yeah. 
Um, I, I still just like Dustin Hoffman as the grandpa. As the grandpa, yeah. I think that's your tie-in. That's your tie-in. To know. Can't do Robin Williams, uh, you know, sadly. Rest is his soul. But uh, you can do some other references in there. Julia Roberts is the mom. Yeah. Maggie Smith is still alive. You can yeah. throw her in there somewhere. Is there like a old she lady? Could, she just could play the original Wendy again in the second <laughs> film. She actually is that old now, so it'd be fine. Because like, they have this really, I, again, I watched Hookers and they had this really old, old, old agey makeup to make yeah. her look. Yeah. Old. I'm like, it doesn't work. Like, yeah. It just looks really no. bad. Yeah. It looks like when, um, in Lord of the Rings, when they show the king who's, who's been like having yeah. his life force yeah, yeah, yeah. sapped. It looks like yeah. that makeup. It's like, He's just he's just white. Yeah. You look like a dog turd, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, Maggie Smith looks like a dog turd. Are you proud of yourself? <laughs> Thanks for ruining Harry Potter for me. Wasn't out yet, but. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's it for our co-op pitches for now. Let's jump into our challenge pitches. So what came to me, and I let you pick, was Breakfast Club starring Ferris Bueller. Yep. Or Ferris Bueller's Day Off starring Bender, the, the bad boy renegade from Breakfast Club. Yes. Which one did you pick? I picked... Ferris Bueller's Day Off, starring Bender. Okay, I think I think I want to hear this. I want to hear where you go with this. You're gonna have you're gonna have to come on a journey with me <laughs> to, to to get there. We're gonna take a walk. We're gonna, we're gonna take a walk and get there the long way around. Okay. So I I gotta be warned first up front. How sad is the story? Because if you look at like Bender's life, that's it's like not depressing. sad. That's the thing. It's oh. it's a very uplifting story. Oh, okay. Um. Now. It's not going to entirely be Ferris Bueller the movie. Hmm. Of course, it's Bender. It yeah. can't be. Um, His dad is not a good guy. It's, it's They're not, not rich. It's not going to be kind of. It's going to be the tone of Ferris Bueller. Okay. With the character of Bender. Okay. Um, have you seen Girl Meets World? Yes. Have you? You, you, you know that? Harley Harley's arc. Mm-hmm. In, we're taking that kind of arc in this in this film or okay. or series i think it's better as a film yeah but i think it plays better as like a mini series yeah well because i mean from the sounds of it it's like the the opening act is basically breakfast club where he meets the 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 friends and then it's him being the kind of darker renegade character but being like the fun one like come on guys we're skipping school today no no i think i think he's i think he's still an anti-hero and i think it's the story of him as the janitor at a high school Oh, so or it's, it's a shop teacher. It's it's 25, 30 years down the road. Oh, that's what you meant by and he's Harley. This kinda, he's he's the kind of outcast teacher that like everyone knows he can do his job and he does his job well, but nobody really likes him. So it's Bender's Day Off, but it's a sequel to Breakfast Club. Yes. Oh, okay. Whoa, that is a journey. I did not <laughs> see that one coming. When, and, I, when, I pitched this, when I pitched these ideas that came to us, I figured you'd be like, okay, it's like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but like it's dark. Like his day off is because his dad, you know... Like beat him up and he couldn't get to school in time to cover up his makeup. So no, no, no. 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 <laughs> like, and that's that's the thing is because that's Bender's story. Yeah, he can recognize that stuff in the school. Also, you haven't seen Back to the Future all the way through, but you know Girl Meets World. Y- yes. What <laughs> unicorn are you? <laughs> I'm a very special person. Anyways, Bender's <laughs> Day Off. Continue, please. So I think a, a primary piece of the the film is him convincing some some of his students to take a day off and him covering for them. Oh my goodness, that is awesome! I really like that. So it's like almost reverse. Uh, 
whatever the principal's name yeah. was from Ferris Bueller. Yeah, exactly. And he's basically like they're doing the runaround where they're trying to get back to the detention area, the library yep. for the other principal, but it's him trying to cover for the kids. Yep. I that is fascinating. Yep. It's it's him being this kind of almost anti-heroic figure except for he is just the hero. Yes. He's just like dark and kind of angry and no one really likes him. He's the shitty teacher, but he sees the moment where like he can make sure the kids don't have the same type of life yeah, he did. Yeah, he see he sees that diverting point yes. in this group of kids' lives. And he is the fulcrum where detention was the fulcrum in the Breakfast Club. Uh, right. Where that, that's what brought everybody together. Yeah. He is the one that says, no, your assignment for the day is leave school. So, like, oh, Captain, my Captain style, Dead Poet Society. But instead of Robin Williams being a good teacher, he's a bad teacher who sees that he can kind of make a difference with the kids for a moment. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. I, I like that. I don't even know if he's a bad teacher. Just nobody like He's nobody's favorite, favorite teacher. teacher. Yeah. And none of the teachers like him. You know, the teachers him because he's not a very good teacher. The kids don't like him because he's not nice and... And, like, so, like, the bad kids don't like him because he makes sure, like, they don't do bad things. But also the good kids don't like him because he's not teaching them much. Yeah. So, okay. So, who's day? So, is it actually the kids' days off? Yes. So, it's not really him, but it's still him kind of skipping his duties because it's his one class? Yes. Okay. And it's him covering for the kids and coming up with excuses for why they couldn't be in class and having to do a Home Alone-style machination <laughs> of, oh, there are people in my in my shop because... <laughs> All the kids that I've told their teachers they had to be down here to help me fix this car. Who, um, what class is he teaching? He's shop. I he's think, shop I think he's a shop teacher. Okay. Kind of like built his life by literally building his life. Yeah. Do you have any cameos from the rest of the Breakfast Club? I think you have to. Okay. I think, I think you, you call in, like, I think the, I think these are freshmen or sophomores, so nobody has a car. Okay. And I think you call in like Emilio Estevez and you have him pick the kids up because it's, Hey, I'm calling in that one favor. I need you to come show these kids a good time. I would and love to he see. He doesn't need the, he can take a day off of work cause he had a good life at yeah. some point. Yeah. yeah. And I, th- I think some you, sort of sportscaster, local news, yeah. lo- local news anchor sportsman or sports anchor. Yeah. So, Oh, oh, and and you just that. you just have I want anything I can get more Emilio Estevez <laughs> in. I'm down. So you, you already hooked me. And I think, Oh, could you get the same principal back? And he's just older. Is he still alive? And I he was the know. vice principal before. Was he, so now so he's, he's the principal. Like, or some like higher up. Like, or something like he that. He took yeah. like maybe He's the superintendent. Superintendent or on the board of education yeah, kind of thing. Something like that. You, is he a better person though because of the janitor's speech? Yes. So yeah, like he is so. a semi good guy. I, <gasps> you think maybe him and Bender kind of worked things out and made each other better? Yeah, and that's what so. got him into teaching. I think so. Ooh, I think so. that that is some girl meets world yeah. shit right there. Yeah. That is really good. I like that. And I think I think you pull in as many people from the original Breakfast Club as you can. I mean, you could easily get Molly Ringwald. She does a lot of those types of yeah. roles. That's like her main role. I haven't seen Emilio Estevez in anything in like 20 years. So <laughs> I think that would be the hardest one, but I think just a quick, yeah. hey guys, you can borrow my truck type thing. Yeah. I think that's yeah. possible. The guy who plays Bender has been in one movie I can remember. He was in Boondock Saints 2. <laughs> it made no sense because his character in the first movie was a kid. And the character in the second movie is, like, older than the boys, so it makes no sense. But anyways. But I think that's what you do. I think you bring in as many of the old characters as you can. Yeah. And make it just this this machination of this crew that got together in detention 
giving these new kids a chance. <laughs> but it's still like it's almost an homage to Ferris Bueller, but still being a sequel to Breakfast Club. I think you throw in some references to the nerdy kid. I can't remember his character. Yeah, I, I know who. But you're I think he's about. running for mayor. Okay. Yeah. And that is the float. Like okay. parade type yeah. thing that they do. Yeah. So like just like in Ferris Bueller's, but like it's his parade. Yeah. I I I like this. That's like, okay. You got me. Because when you <laughs> we told like you're, that was a huge walk at the beginning, but I like where you're going with this. I would watch that. And again, an easy fun movie. Yeah. That you don't you can play on the nostalgia of the first one without having it be as good of a film as right. the first one was. Right. Like not that Ferris Bueller's not a good film. I think Breakfast Club is a better film. Yeah. yeah. Ferris Bueller is more fun, and the the smaller, more serious edges are unnecessary yeah. in that film. Yeah. Oh, and I think uh, I think you have to have them get a Camaro from Emilio Estevez. <laughs> what was it? It was a red Camaro. Yeah, I think it's the '80s style it's, or whatever. Whatever Cameron's dad's Ferrari. Car. I think was it was a Ferrari. Ferrari. Whatever yeah. Cameron's dad's car was. Right. That's what Emilio Estevez drives <laughs> or gives or lends the kids. lends the kids. Yeah. Who do you get as the kids in? Are their role even that important, or are they just more of the goofy gags where we cut back and forth to them, or are they having their own journey of self discovery? I think I think they have that journey, and I think it. I think you get not direct lookalikes, but like people who obviously touch on those same archetypes, right? And I don't think I don't think the casting of them matters. No, you could you could go easy and you get like like the younger kids like that did like X Men uh, Apocalypse or like the Stranger Thing kids. Sure, whoever's yeah. big in Hollywood yeah. right now, you could you could go that. I don't yeah. think you should. No, I don't. I don't think. I think this movie still wants to to lean on the adult cast, right? Who See, are, but you got to be careful with that though because you can't. I mean, not that you're trying to build a franchise, but a lot of the issues you have with those those remakes or reboots trying to move on to the next class, if you will. I don't think this is about moving on to the next class. No, I think this is just like another vignette of this is what they're doing now. So almost like uh, Cobra Kai, yeah, more like Cobra Kai yeah. than yeah. when they tried to do Girl Meets World, yeah. Which is like a lot of those shows and movies falter because you focus too much on the older characters because that's what people want to see. You have the nostalgia for it, but you don't want to see them forever. Yeah. You want to see the next class, yeah. torch passing, but it doesn't work but right. But you're you're not passing the torch. This isn't this isn't to reboot as a franchise. The new the new this is Bender's book. sequel. This is this is Bender's sequel of. This is how he took that experience, pivoted, and is paying it forward. And basically. then, you, and then you get the other audience in because it is more like Ferris Spieler than the original Breakfast Club. I like that. I could see that. That is something like, like YouTube Red would do. Yeah, like this does sound like something you would see on there because, especially after Cobra Kai. I don't know. Have you seen any of? No, Cobra I Kai? haven't seen. I've seen some of the first episode. It's so good. It has no right being as good as it is <laughs> as long as it is. Like it is good for almost I think it's 10 episodes, maybe shorter, but it's good all of those episodes. Ooh. Yeah, and like I didn't expect it. I was like, "Oh, this is just really a thing." Danny LaRusso and and the other guy, Johnny, I can't remember his last name. No, they're yeah. going to fight again. Cobra Kai versus Mr. Miyagi's Dojo and it was not that at all. It was really good. And this sounds good actually. Like again, you got me. I did not expect it. I did not expect it to be that good. So what else you got for me? How does it end? What is the big journey? I think it ends with an exhausted Bender going home. And right as he's opening his door, the door opens on, 
I think a happy family life. Yes, like that's gonna be the twist. Like it looks like a crappy home from the outside, but really, like he's expanded the trailer. Yeah, and I, it goes into a big house that he yeah, built. I, th- I think there's the open into like a happy family, and the end of the movie is still the fist up, and it's <laughs> like just him, did it. It's him in the doorway, just yeah, I, like I got it. I like that twist because like it's almost like they did in Mad Men, where like you see this womanizer, cool guy, but like his life's probably sad, and he goes home and like. Oh no, he has a loving family. He's just almost shitty, but not. He's yeah. cool. he's cool enough to pull off yeah. the shittiness. He's shitty adjacent. Whereas in with this, it's like, oh, you think Bender's mad and he's he's the shop teacher who's kind of down on his luck because his life probably turned out crappy because he's Bender. Yeah. But really, like, no, his life turned out fine. Like he's got a happy yeah. family. Yeah. He tells the story to his wife. Like, yeah. what'd you do today? Like, oh well, yeah. I did this. You know, yeah. I, I think that's a good twist. They're like, oh, it's gonna be crappy. It looks like it's gonna be a shitty home. Like, no. He, he's good. Yeah. His kids go to school yeah. on time. Yeah. He doesn't beat them. No one bought anyone cigarettes for Christmas. Yeah, I think it's just a surprisingly mundane life. Yeah. I think that's cool. I really, really like that. And he's really only grumpy at school as that demeanor because he's back at school. <laughs> no, I, I don't even think he's grumpy at school. I think he's just like, this is my job. Yeah. I, I don't need to make friends with these kids. And I don't need to make friends with my t- these teachers because I have that stuff at home. Right. I like that. I think that's good. Mine's better, obviously. Sure it is. But that, that one is still good. Um, I think, again, mostly because I helped you through it. But <laughs> I'm still surprised. Like, that was a, that was such a walk. <laughs> I did not see that coming at all when I was like, okay, you pick one. Did you have this in mind when, when I when I said, like, oh. these are the two I got? Oh, God, no. Really? Oh, okay. I had to walk through it. Oh, <laughs> boy, did I have to. Oh. See, mine, you got me, because I didn't take as much of a walk. So this is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. No, no, that was yours. <laughs> mine is Breakfast Club starring, starring Ferris, Ferris Bueller. Bueller. So essentially, it's still Ferris Bueller. Okay. But this time, so he goes to detention. This is the first time he's gotten in trouble. Okay. So it's the first time his shenanigans catch up to they him. They caught him, yep. Yeah. So it's a sequel to Ferris Bueller still, which I don't know if you know this. These movies were filmed at the same time. In the same high school. Yep. So you can do almost a sequel to Breakfast Club and Ferris Bueller all at once while still being in the 80s and still yep. being the exact same cast. Oh, I don't remember. I listened to a podcast with somebody who went to the high school. That, um, A friend of ours, Norm, at. actually, he went to that high oh, school. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Like, we, we do have connections. Yeah. <laughs> I can make this happen. I can't. Unless I find that time travel machine I referenced before <laughs> and me and Biff go back in time. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, boy. That's, when, when I tell people about what we talk about uh, on the show, it never makes sense. Oh, <laughs> But no. this one especially doesn't. <laughs> so, again, so it's a it's a sequel. And what happens is Cameron gets in trouble. And Ferris takes a bullet for him. And he's like, you know what? Blame it on me. And Cameron's like, no, no, I'm not going to. But Ferris already put everything in motion to take blame for everything. Mm-hmm. So he's now the pariah of the school. Everyone found out that he wasn't sick. That yep. he's not losing a kidney. Yep. Um, you now have people defacing the safe Ferris up on the water tower (laughs) (laughs) and he gets in trouble with the school. The principal doesn't win. He's fired because he broke into a kid's house, but there's a new principal on the block and that is the vice principal. Okay. And he's like, you know what? You got, you are in trouble. 
I don't know how to handle this because you're my hero. Because like even the principal like looks at the first, he's like broken hearted. It's <laughs> like so sad. So he puts him in attention, and this is where he meets the Breakfast Club. They and they just went through. That's the thing. I never mentioned that is all is these guys the next have, day of detention. This is the next day. Like they had detention for like the next three weeks, yeah. and Bender has detention for the rest of his life. Yeah, which works out well for him because he then gains a relationship with the with the vice, with the principal, vice principal, and they work things out, and they both make each other better for it. Oh God, that means the vice principal was definitely abused as a child. Most definitely, he he grew up as Bender, and that's why he hates oh. him. Anyways, oh, oh my heart. <laughs> so anyway, so the, the, this group of friends who have <laughs> detention two Saturdays in a row. They're all there. They just went through this crazy cathartic experience, and they're all better for it. They're all friends. They probably won't be friends forever. Bender and Molly Ringwald, I can't remember her, her name. They're dating. Emilio Estevez and the creepy girl are dating, but that's not working out very well because she just likes to steal things and lie to everybody. And now she puts a bow on, and everything's supposed to be fine. And Emilio Estevez's friends are like, man, why are you dating that chick who steals everything now that she's wearing a bow? <laughs> <laughs> So they're they're all having kind of struggles. So it's already a little bit more of a serious film, kind of like Breakfast Club. <laughs> and they're all in uh, detention again the next week because they didn't do the homework. <laughs> they, they just had the one smart kid write that letter, and the principal's like, "No, yes, I'm a better person now, but like, yes, you, you still got it. I got to turn this in. <laughs> and like now I'm the real principal because the other principal got fired. We got to take this seriously, guys. I need you to write your actual papers." <laughs> And Ferris shows up, and Ferris hasn't written a paper, done homework, gone attention in his entire life, yeah. and he does not know what to do. So it's basically them trying to get him not to do all these shenanigans, and even Bender going, like, listen, man, like, I don't want to be in attention for the next 40 years, so maybe we should do better. So it's Ferris actually not becoming the villain. This is the taming of Ferris Bueller. The taming of Ferris Bueller, because, like, he keeps doing the shenanigans and running around like they did, and their thing is trying to get him back to the library yeah. before the principal comes back again. And it's all about, it's the taming of Ferris Bueller. So some for some reason, it's the, you all have to do this, or it's like none of you did it. Exactly, just like it was before. Yeah. And they, they don't want to get in trouble, because, like, they're all trying to move on with their lives after yeah. that crazy experience they had last Saturday. Also... The library's all messed up because they broke that glass and they were smoking weed in there. <laughs> and I think at one point someone throws a milk, so it's like it smells real bad in so there. So you make it immediately. Immediately, yeah. It's the next Saturday. So it's it's like you have to keep the continuity of like how would it, what would get fixed in a week. Exactly. And all of the all of the parents are also serious about all their kids going back to detention because they all heard about all the crazy shenanigans that happened and it's everyone is under this like watchful eye including Ferris, who is not used to it. So, again, so it's the taming of Ferris. He keeps trying to have a day off, and it's all about the kids trying to stop those shenanigans in their own different ways. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's that's most of my film. But when it comes to, like, the fun aspects is you play with both moments. So it's it's Ferris telling these crazy stories and everyone trying to call him out as a liar, just like the the, the um crazy girl did except for he's not lying like all this stuff happened he's like yeah my friend cameron will tell you about it and he keeps calling cameron and cameron is being shipped off to board boarding school yep. because he broke his dad's ferrari yep <laughs> and all of those crazy things and then sloan's dumping him because she realized after everyone else turned on i'm like yeah my boyfriend is just kind of this dumb kid who hasn't worked a day in his life and i don't want to be that and she's already kind of having serious thoughts about going to college So whose sister is sloan from the breakfast club <sighs> Ooh, Who's older sister? That's a good one. That's a good one. Cause she like kind of a rich family. I don't. Th- I think she's part of Molly Ringwald's group. I don't it's think part she's of the sister, clique, but, not but she's related. she was part of that clique. Yeah. And that's when you find out Ferris was friends with Emilio Estevez and Molly Ringwald. Like he was one of the popular kids, but he was one of the cooler ones. Yeah. 
And he kind of broke off because they started to get more serious. Well, she went more into like her friends. He went into sports. Ferris kind of became he a burnout a little bit. Yeah, he just kept being goofy and cool. Exactly, exactly. And then also, I think you have cameos of like, uh, um, Bueller, uh, <laughs> um, Bueller, not Michael Sheen. Uh, Charlie Sheen's character who dates Ferris and he's friends with Bender. Mm-hmm. So like you see like how Ferris has more in common with the burnouts rather yep. than the other cool kids yep. now that he's not there. And it's about them accepting him, but still kind of getting him to he's like, you have to pick a side. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. You know, you, you can't play every side. Yeah, You can't play every side. Cause this is what happens yeah. when you play us all against each other. Cause everyone hates you. Exactly. Exactly. And I, again, I think if you play with the relationships and put Ferris Bueller's world next like juxtaposed to the breakfast club one and you see that all the shenanigans just like the breakfast club while it does kind of work out in the end if it, the circumstances are just a little bit more dire a little less ridiculous you kind of see ferris bueller's day off in a different light yeah <laughs> and also i think him, him telling all the stories of what happened that day is what inspires bender <laughs> to do all those crazy shenanigans not bad <laughs> not good but not bad <laughs> I will admit mine is a little weaker than yours because I thought yours was going to be a little weaker than it was. <laughs> you had me on a couple of different moments. Again, a lot of my fun comes from, you know, the cheating of using a lot of the similar jokes, but reversed. Yeah. And also, how do you make the Breakfast Club more ridiculous? Yeah. With Ferris yeah. is so all the shenanigans were like, okay, so you got Bender crawling through the air vents. You have him breaking into the, the gymnasium to play basketball and them trying to race around that school, which made no sense how that school was laid out. Getting back there. How do you juxtapose that with Ferris's type of shenanigans he would be doing? And he would amp it up. He becomes almost a supervillain compared to the Breakfast Club. Yeah, yeah, he he is the the steroid enhancement to all of the chaos. Exactly. So he when steps everything up a level yeah so like similarly what you were saying like how like how bender has to do like the home alone type thing ferris easily has it set up like they never had to go back to the library again if they wanted to do this for every saturday they could because he called in 13 favors and that's where it starts to fall apart yeah is because the people don't want to do favors for him anymore yeah and that's another thing too is like you realize how much is just dumb luck so like i think he has this gigantic plan oh god yeah and it falls apart because his luck has run out i there's got to be a moment where he's like, oh, yeah, I, I know this guy who can who can do this thing for me. And he calls, and somebody else's phone rings in the building. And he didn't even – or in the room. Yeah. And he didn't know – He didn't even that know that's who he was calling. Yeah, you kind of – and, like, that's where his breakfast club moment is that he t- takes all these people who he's not really friends no, with. No, he doesn't know. Yeah, he doesn't he, – he's popular, so he can take all these relationships for granted. He has two real friends who he's now fucked over completely. Yep. And they they make it seem like it's all it's all good because he taught them like a lesson of how to have fun, but really no, he just kind of screwed up Sloane's life and Cameron's in yep. one day. Yep, and gotten his sister involved with some really shady people. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, that's the moment where they realize like oh he's taking all these people for granted. Who do you think it is? Do you think it's Bender? Do you think it's? I don't think it. I think I think it's Emilio Estevez. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think that he never realized that that was the new contact. Yeah. One of his buddies or one person who owed him a favor was like, yeah, call this guy if you ever need this. And he never put two and two together. Yeah. So he's like, Oh no, no, I know. I know the guy who can get me this. He always gets me this. And it's, and you can kind of do the reverse too. Like they talked about or like how some of them used to be friends before. No, and exactly. like they got popular and we stopped hanging out. And it's the same thing with, with Ferris, except for it was the other way. Like he moved more towards the shenanigans rather than just the popular kids. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like that. I think that has that has legs. I think it gives you that moment where Ferris realizes that the only friends that he had back in the day, being Emilio Estevez, Ringwald, yeah. etc., have always been looking out for him, even yeah. if they've known he was just an element of chaos that was going to screw them over. But they still had that amount of, no, I still care about you. Yeah, and that lets him kind of have the growing pains that everyone did in Breakfast Club, which was, okay, no, we're all better people for this, in lots of different ways, but that's him having that same moment without taking away the growth that everyone had in Breakfast Club. Right. I, I, I think that would work really well, and surprisingly... Not as much shenanigans, because again, when I first when I first came out the picture, I was like, "Well, we just do different shenanigans inside that school." It's yeah. just instead of it being a sequel, it's just, "Oh, Ferris Bueller was there instead of Bender." Yeah, what are the shenanigans going to get into? But that's it's not as much fun because it is just the same shenanigans. Yeah, like maybe they don't go down to like the the big parade and he sings on the float, but like he just gets over the intercom and starts singing to distract yeah. somebody. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have that same moment of coolness. Yeah. Get, I, I like these pitches. I would see both of these films. Both of them would fail. No one does want to see these films, but yeah. I do. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, it's just, well, we would watch. That's it, right? <laughs> this is our show, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> I still get... You, you haven't seen Back to the Future, nope. but you've seen Girl Meets World. Yep. It's I've, been, well, I've only seen seas, most of season one, I think. Oh, that's not as weird as if you'd I only seen, seen season two, of, I guess. Some of season but. two. I don't remember. <laughs> the, the site that I was using to watch it was, uh, got shut down, so... <laughs> just watch things legally. Yeah, this was like back when it was first coming out. It's actually kind of hard to watch college. Girl Meets World. Uh, like Boy Meets World is on Hulu. Like yeah. you can watch like the whole yeah. thing. But Girl Meets World, you got to have the Disney app. Yeah, and not the one that you're thinking of. It's got to be like you have a, a provider. You have Disney through like yeah. You have Disney you have Disney through a cable provider, and exactly. that's how you can watch it. Yeah, really, really frustrating. Come on, I, Disney, just conglomerate everything and put all of your properties on Hulu, which they now well, own the majority they, share of. If, if everything goes through with the Fox deal, they'll own 51% or over 51%. Yeah. So they'll be the majority stakeholder in Hulu. They have their own app, but they've already said they're going to start small and just put their movies on there first. Right. So we'll probably see a lot of, they're probably going to use Hulu yeah. for what we want. They're going the to use, they're going to use Hulu for their primary platform and then make the Disney app and then rebrand one of the two and switch everything to that. Yeah. So they're probably going to take, the Disney app, once it's big enough that people know what it is, then and then rebrand Hulu as the new Disney app. Exactly. And it'll have the same infrastructure. Yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah, they'll, they'll do all those things. <laughs> kind of a weird tangent, but you, you see what we're going for. So next up, we're going to do our rapid fire round, which, as you know, if you've ever listened to this show, is less than rapid and a lot more fire. <laughs> <laughs> So this was if Ferris Bueller invaded other 80s films other than Back to the... Uh, not Back to the Future. Breakfast Club. The first one up is Back to the Future. If Ferris Bueller invaded Back to the Future, at what point? I think he either replaces the main main protagonist or is the sidekick. Or the main character and the other one becomes the sidekick. So if, Ferris Bueller steals the show. Yeah, so if Ferris is Marty. Yes. Oh, man. I think he accidentally knocks Marty out and goes <laughs> and replaces him. I thought you were going to say knocks his mom up because Ferris Bueller oh, is doing Accidentally everyone. knocks his own mom up? <laughs> I know. It's gross. But it's like, just like, Ferris wouldn't have taken the time to realize that's his mom. No, he He's just that have. type of dude. Yeah. He would have left Sloan back in 1984 or yep. whatever and just gone on a tirade. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing. Like Ferris Bueller would have done all the shenanigans that Marty was stopped by doing by Doc, yes. and I think Doc would think he's better for it. Like he would convince Doc. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. listen, we do this. Or Doc then becomes like the principal character, yeah. and he's trying to find Marty. Yeah. Or well, Marty, but trying to find yeah. Ferris through time. See, the Ferris thing is, is just... I think 
I think Ferris represents the worst of Biff and Marty. Marty, yeah, combined. It's it's Biff's ability to cause chaos and be like, no, 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 we can do this. So like, I'm gonna make it the best for myself. Yeah, and Marty's reckless abandon for the rules and not thinking things through. So it's just somebody who doesn't care. And also only wants to look out for themselves. <laughs> the improvisation. And I think you can also have the, the journey, like the, the Cameron type character. Like maybe he comes with him or maybe he feels bad because he's screwing up time for Doc. Yeah. Like you know, who does care him. But like Marty McFly is a similar character to Ferris where he's just like, he's the cool kid. He fits in with everybody. But Ferris has been scheming about how to use the time machine since he found out Doc had right. it. Right. Exactly. Whereas Marty's just like, crap, now I am back in time by yeah. accident. Yeah. Yeah, I. <laughs> oh, great! Now I'm back in time. Uh, where is Bill Gates? I need to go make friends with Bill Gates. Because I know you're not. I know you're not a big fan of Back to the Future, but it kind of ends that way, anyways. Because Marty McFly fixes his own family. So by yeah. his dad punching Biff, he's now this famous writer. And creepily, Biff works for him, even though he Ugh. tried to rape his wife. Yeah. But like, but he's like, it shows that he's like down on his luck. He works for him. Um, Marty's dad is rich. His sister is rich. Like they are all. Very, very well-off kids. Yeah, but it, it doesn't feel, at least from the like 10 minutes I've seen, it doesn't feel like he did it predatorily. No, Which is, no. I think, what Ferris would feel like. Yeah, it was or, a happy byproduct. Ferris would do all that by fucking people. Yes. Yeah, he would. I think we're just learning. That Fer- like, I love Ferris Bueller, but like, he's a bad, a bad dude. dude. Yeah. <laughs> I also see, like, I, I see really funny elements where like you find little things where he has made the same kind of connections he has, but all throughout time. So like the Save Ferris Tower is like, what the clock tower is rebranded <laughs> and like everyone's like really really famous whatever like if he goes back to the old west it's just like him and, like everyone loves ferris like there's no shootout in the home it's like nah we love that guy yeah <laughs> he he's friends with biff's group and his dad and read science fiction like he just becomes the popular guy throughout time he's just like he's he is the through line of who everyone likes exactly uh because that's just that's ferris even though that's like not how it works out at all can you tell it has some hang-ups about this? <laughs> um, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen 16 Candles. Is that the... Molly Ringwald. Okay. And it's all about her turning 16, and her family basically forgets her birthday. Okay, That's the crux I'm, of the story. I'm thinking of 13 again? Some Something involving the the 13th birthday and blowing out candles and... And, going, and no, 13 going on 30. 13 going on 30, yes, that's the one. Not the same thing. No. Also, 13 going on 30 came out in, like, 2008. Yeah. <laughs> it came out in, like, 2006. Oh, did they come out even earlier? So, again, like, not the 80s. Yeah, no, not the 80s at all. But I think... But I, thought, the, I didn't know if it was a I think it's just the exact opposite film. I think Ferris Bueller's birthday is a big deal for everybody in town, and it's him trying to escape it. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> so instead of being like the person that everyone forgets about in town and like the everyone weird friends, is excited to throw Ferris a birthday. Everybody's party. excited. And it's about him wishing he wasn't as popular as he was. Yeah. I think all of these could fit into the same series. Yeah, this is this is all a series of vignette like forty five minute movies. <laughs> Almost like Ur- like you know, like Ernest goes stupid or yeah. whatever, like the Ernest film. It's just like Ferris. Yeah. <laughs> the Ferris film. It's the the blank I shrunk the kids. Yeah, we could have bought this on DVD. <laughs> or I shrunk in the blank in a seven pack for four ninety nine and yep. been in Walmart. Yep. <laughs> They made seven of these? Who knew? <laughs> um, weird Science. I have no idea what Weird Science is. Oh my goodness, I have a trip to take with you. So Weird Science is about two very <sighs> typical nerds from the 80s. Like, how they're portrayed. The okay. archetypical nerds were like, they're not that smart, but they are secretly smart. Even though, like, they're not with the smart kids. They know how to hack a computer. And they build a woman through a computer program. And by some strange magic, the woman comes to life. 
And instead of being like into her, she's super, super gorgeous, but there are too much of chickens to sleep with her, which was like her original directive, I guess. Yeah. So instead though, instead she takes them on like a journey of self-discovery by like teaching them to have confidence with other women and confidence in themselves to like fight off their bullies and to fight off the older brother who is a dick. And she becomes less of an object and more of a mentor to them, which is like, there is kind of an interesting arc there against the eighties womanizing. The, uh, <laughs> it's all a little, it, it's a, a little gross. Yeah. But that's all the 80 movies. I mean, yeah. like there's like 14 moments I could have listed from um, 16 candles. They're just like, Oh, maybe we <laughs> don't do any of that. Yeah. <laughs> but, exa- but, but, but like there is like a mentorship. I think if it's Ferris, She's super into it as they come out. They do it. And it's all about them having like this crazy it's party. It's porno. Yeah. But also she ha- she gets them into these like crazy like like sci- sci-fi magical situations where like this crazy biker gang from space comes to attack them. She turns the older brother into a big giant poop. Okay. Yeah. Um. One of their bullies, Robert Downey Jr., okay. actually. And like they become friends because they throw this crazy party. And I think you throw in a lot of those things. It just goes, again, at the end of the day, it just goes well for Ferris the entire yeah. time. Yeah. So all those things happen except for instead of them being learning their confidence, it's all about him just having it through yeah, the whole movie. He was confident the whole time, so he just does shenanigans. Yeah, it's just shenanigans, but more sci-fi elements. So, but less time travel and more weird Star Trek one-off episode sci-fi. Yeah. But... Uh, you gotta you gotta make a new character though, because you gotta have the older brother. That's a big thing in, in weird science. Is the older brother who's joining the military, Bill Pullman, and he's or is it Paxton? I can always get those two. Bill Pax. Bill Pullman is, I believe, a comedian. Bill Paxton is probably who you're thinking of. No, well, they're both actors. I, I thought Bill Pullman. All was right, we're gonna get to the bottom of this. You my Google my Paxton. bet is on Bill Paxton. All right, you Google Paxton. I'll Google Pullman. We're gonna. I know who Bill. Paxton is. You do not. Yes, I do. All right, who is he? Who's in uh, Agents of Shield? Yeah, that's the one. That's yeah, Bill Paxton. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking yeah, of Bill yeah. Paxton. Who is Bill Pullman? Bill Pullman. Well, you Google Bill Pullman. I will vamp for time. No, Bill Pullman is also an actor. He's the dude from um, Independence Day. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. That's not a comedian. No, that's not a comedian. Yeah. Oh, God. What comedian, what comedian am I thinking who, of? Bill Burr. I'm not thinking of Bill Burr. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm, I know who Bill Burr is. I'm Bo not Burnham. Thinking, no, I'm not. It's not another BB name. <laughs> Bill Cosby. <laughs> nope. You got another one? Birmingham. <laughs> the same. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I think Terry broke. <laughs> he broke me. But Bill Paxton is the yeah. older brother, and he's yeah. joining the military, or he's home. He's on leave from the yeah. military, and he's just yeah. this big douche who picks on him a lot. But yeah, he gets he's a turd, <laughs> and he, I think he gets beat up by the aliens at one point. The alien bikers who are at the party, okay, to make it seem like more rugged. Yeah. I think is what she was trying to do at that point in the movie. But yeah, some more shenanigans. Um, Beetlejuice. Ooh, Beetlejuice. Who does Ferris Bueller play in Beetlejuice? I think he is He's Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. So Beetlejuice is less of the anti-hero antagonist by the end of the film and more just like, he's just the cool ghost who's going to help you. Oh, no, no, no. I think think it starts off with Ferris discovering Beetlejuice. And then taking over the mantle. The mantle. Ooh. And the original Beetlejuice finally gets to retire. So he loves it. So it's not so much like just slipping him into the movie because if you do that again, every I think that's our new game is what if is what if Ferris Bueller was of, in it instead of if George R. R. Martin wrote it, it's what if Ferris Bueller was what? was the main protagonist. What if George R. R. Martin wrote Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Ferris Bueller would die. The first cool thing he does gets hit by the car. <laughs> Cameron drives the car. Cameron drives the car, <laughs> and it's all about Cameron trying to solve that issue and pretending to be Ferris. So it's almost like Fight Club. 
<laughs> Which have you ever heard that theory? No. It's that uh, Ferris is a imagine. Oh, like, that Ferris is that everything in Ferris Bueller's Day Off is, is fake it? and it's all in Cameron's head. Either that that that's one that I've heard, but like a different one where it's just like Cameron's alternate persona is, is Ferris. Ferris. So like he's dating Sloan. Okay. That's why she's okay with him looking at her in the pool. Yeah. And oh, and I like, hadn't heard that alternate personality thing yeah that's interesting yeah i like that one i like that spoilers for fight club by the way <laughs> if you haven't seen fight club go watch fight club what we're saying is like fight club <laughs> watch fight club dude <laughs> what rock do you live under again girl meets world but not fight club are you uh, are you 12 what is this no i take it back because my 14 year old nephew has seen fight club <laughs> and girl meets world that's because you're a terrible influence i'm an awesome influence damn it <laughs> You're an influence. I am an influence. <laughs> I'm an influencer. I'm the moist maker. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's come back. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but yeah, he takes over for Beetlejuice. I think that is the that's the fu- that's the finale of of the, this whole series. Of yeah. the series of Ferris Bueller. And then you movies. get to reboot the Beetlejuice <laughs> franchise. <laughs> But I like that the because, question. like, that's his dark. Like, where, like Bender becomes like the teacher who's kind of moving on. You find out the vice principal moved on; it became better. Ferris Bueller has that one moment of come to Jesus in the Breakfast Club sequel, but really he goes right back to his old ways. And eventually, it turns out so poorly for him. He be- that's a very '80s movie type thing. Where like, okay, now you're the now you're the Grim Reaper. Now, does he intentionally become Beetlejuice? Or does Beetle does he trick Beetlejuice into becoming Beetlejuice? Do they do it amenably, or does Beetlejuice trick him? I think Beetlejuice is slowly is starting to learn his lesson, but getting tired of the game. So he tricks Ferris Bueller into it, and Ferris is into it because he's like, "Oh, I get all these cool powers and all this stuff." And then you learn, like, "Oh no, this is what comes with the baggage of being Beetlejuice." Yeah, I think that's where it goes. I got gotcha. you. Plus, I think I think that would be an awesome lineup, and I think you bring Matthew Broderick and you bring back um, shoot, what's his name who played Beetlejuice? I don't know. What? You I've never seen Beetlejuice either. How have you never seen Beetlejuice? <laughs> he was the dad in Homecoming. Oh, I know, I know who you're talking about. I don't know his name. Michael Keaton. We're Michael terrible Keaton. for for a We're... pop culture podcast. We cannot remember anyone's name. All the faces. To be, to be fa- oh yeah, we know, we know faces. all the faces. <laughs> no names. No names. But yeah, Michael Keaton. I think you get both of them back. Yeah, because there's a big enough age gap between Michael Keaton and Matthew Broderick to where it's like. They're both old. Yeah. But I, I think you do that, uh, want, like kind of like the Benders film. This is where Ferris Bueller ended up, and it's not as good, and he wants to go back and fix some things, and he enlists the help of a ghost. <laughs> Monster. What was Beetlejuice's thing in the movie? He was like some sort of detective fixer type thing is what he pitched. I know you haven't seen it, but like he gives a card, and it, like, there is, it's like Poltergeist Extraordinaire or something like that <laughs> is, his, is his actual title in that film. All right, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It's the same thing with less adults because there are no adults in that world. I know one scene from Fast Time at Ridgemont scene? High. Come on, what you got? There's something with a pool. Oh, the the the, the pool scene where she climbs out of the yeah. pool. That's the one scene you know. Yeah, there's so many other famous ones in that. I might know other scenes. That's the only scene that I know is from Fast Times at. Ridgemont I think High. it's exactly Fast Times at Ridgemont High with also Ferris there. He's just another character. Kind of like how, like, do you know Nicolas Cage is in that movie? No. Yeah. Like, Bill's friend or whatever. He's just like, that's literally, like, his name in the credits, it, who, it's still Nicholas Coppola, or Nick Coppola, I think is yep. what he goes by in that yep. movie. And it's just like, Bo's friend. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's just a dude, he works at one of the restaurants. Um, uh, Say Anything. You know that one? Nope. Oh, really? I, stop acting surprised at this point. Uh, watch a movie, man. <laughs> 
What do you do when a girl dumps you? Like, what do you show up with? You don't hold the boombox outside of a room? Is that what that movie is? Or is that the movie that's from? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, like, that, that's what it's from. But, like, there's way more to it than that. But that scene that you've seen with the kid with yeah. the trench coat holding yeah. up the boombox. No, I make jokes about that scene all the time. That's saying anything. Okay. Yes. That is that movie. How to, man, you haven't seen anything. No, so I haven't. <laughs> I think I think it is exact. It's instead of John Cusack, you replace him. That's who's the main guy. You replace him with Ferris Bueller, and it's it's the next day again. But it's Sloan going like, "No, I don't want to be with you. Like you, you, you mess up all this stuff." And it's because that's kind of the end of the movie. Is like she shouldn't be with him, and they really don't get along together. But it's that sixteen-year-old going or eighteen-year-old obsession where it's like. You kind of know you shouldn't be with this person, but you don't know any better. But we throw back to our, our original Buffy pitch, and at the end, it's like, no, I don't want to be with you. <laughs> That's the big why, No, Why would I? Because they do end up back together. Yeah, of course anything. they do. Yeah, it's, it's an 80s movie. It's yeah. going to end up wrong and gross. But, I mean, at the heart of it, it's Ferris Bueller still. So, like, shouldn't everything work out for him okay? Until he gets to the whole old point man. of the rest of the, these movies is that, no. At the end of the series, yeah, though. At the end of the series, he becomes Beetlejuice. After he's 18, everything goes terribly wrong. <laughs> he was under some sort of fairy godmother blessing. And <laughs> so everything went right. And once he, the, the midnight bell on his 18th birthday struck, everything went terribly wrong. <laughs> um, risky business. I know the name. Tom Cruise... His is that parents the- go out of town. He starts a brothel in their house. It has the famous scene. I might have, old, um, I might have seen old time rock time and roll where he's just wearing a shirt yeah, and sunglasses and he slides. Yeah, yeah, that that movie. I think I've just seen that scene. Oh, there's, there's a lot, you know a lot of people have. When I start talking about what risky business is actually about, we were like, "That's not a movie." I'm like, "That's what risky business was." Like, how do you not know it? It's actually like kind of a dark film, but everyone just remembers him singing the song and like doing the slide. And he doesn't even sing. He lip syncs yeah. it, by the way. He doesn't sing it. Anyways, <laughs> I think you either replace him, and instead of all the darkness stuff, he just enjoys hanging out with a bunch of, like, you know, sex workers for the weekend, or he is the friend of Tom Cruise's character, and all the crazy dark shit still happens, but then Ferris is there, just chilling out in the background, having a great all the time, <laughs> not helping out at all. Like, I when, think, he, when he should be the supportive friend, be like, listen, man, we're in over our heads. He's just like, fuck it, man, let's keep going. I think, I think that's the movie, is all of the chaos is going on around him, and he's just like, all right. Chaos is what chaos is. <laughs> just go with the flow, bro. Just let it happen. We'll we'll be fine. I'm Ferris. Tomorrow's my 18th birthday, so the curse isn't over or the blessing isn't over yet. <laughs> he still has the magic Ferris powers until the 18th birthday. Oh my goodness. That's my new theory is that Ferris Bueller was un- under some sort of fairy godmother blessing that that gave <laughs> him midnight a, on his 18th yeah, until, birthday until his 18th birthday. <laughs> And then everything crumbled around him. Um, Teen Witch. Is that a show? You never saw Teen Witch? No. Top that. You no. don't know that one? Okay. All this, this chick, she turns 16. It's an 80s movie. She learns that she's a witch. She turns 16. It's all about her using her powers for her own gain. And then by the end of the film, learning she should just use them to be better. And like uh, she goes back to her friend who who she tried to help and was like, what, what was all that all about? Why do we have to change ourselves? One of those movies. Okay. Yeah. But it's Ferris Bueller and he's just even cooler because he, now he has magic. Because yeah, he got <laughs> magic powers. <laughs> he fixes Cameron's life for the day. He fix, he makes Sloane fall in love with him with the magic boom box. <laughs> he, do, he does not go back and try and fix everything with no. his, the one friend that he screws over. Exactly. No, and I think he... Uh, or he does, but just uses magic. He, yeah. he sends some <laughs> he other magic. Yeah. He sends him Dobby from Harry Potter, and he's just like, here, <laughs> listen, this will help you. He will take care of things for you. Uh, 
Cameron accidentally gives him a sock. Now there's just a, a troll living in his house or whatever the hell they were. House elf? H- house elves. Come on. What the fuck is a house elf? All right. It makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, What else happens? Also, this is his first touch of the supernatural. This is where he finds out about the Beetlejuice character. Yep. Yep. This is that connecting yep. piece into that. This is now just a cinematic universe, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> this is just slowly becoming this. I'm back in it now. Welcome welcome to our rapid fire round. I know I lost a little bit on the pitch. I'll admit that. This is the first one. I'm like, yours was a little bit stronger. But I think, in as a whole, I think I put together the cinematic universe pretty well. Okay. If, if we're going, whose cinematic universe is better, then sure. <laughs> um, Teen Wolf, instead of Teen Witch, Teen Wolf. Um, another one, this starred Michael J. Fox. You, you ever seen Teen Wolf? I've seen, if you say the MTV Teen Wolf, if you've seen I have Teen not Wolf, but seen, not Teen Wolf, I have not seen Teen Wolf. I'm going to hit you with this. And I, I know you can't see at home, but listeners, I am holding a stick and I will beat him with it. Help me. <laughs> so, not the dumb lacrosse show that was on MTV. Teen Wolf starred Michael J. Fox and Styles, and Boof was his girlfriend's name. It wasn't really his girlfriend, it was just his friend. And it's all about him hitting puberty and realizing his family has this curse where they're werewolves. Sure. But everybody in town knows about it and they're kind of fine with it, sure. but not. But he becomes cool because he's a werewolf. Sure. And he plays basketball and he's good at basketball when he's a werewolf, but he's not when he's not. Sure. Anyways, Vin Ferris Bueller. Just leans into it. Not only does he have witch powers, now he's a werewolf. <laughs> magic powers and is a werewolf. And he's a werewolf. And is great at basketball. Everyone already loved him because he went back and fixed all the stuff that happened in the Breakfast Club sequel. And then he turns 18. <laughs> he, he's a werewolf. He bites Cameron to fix his life. Turns out Cameron can't handle the curse and goes dark. And now he has to fight to the death of Cameron. And then it kind of segues more into the MTV type show. Less lacrosse stuff. You can't handle the curse. Exactly, exactly. So him, him and Cameron become immortal enemies for the rest of their lives. Later on, he removes it with magical means, and that's when he wants his magic back, and that's when he reaches out to Beetlejuice. Anyways, though, but the, for the Teen Wolf sake of it, instead of all, like... Michael J. Fox's journey realizes in the movie he doesn't need the wolf. He's cool on his own. He stops seeing the hot blonde girl who was only into him for being the wolf. He starts seeing Boof. His friend Styles is like, man, like, aren't we supposed to be cool? Like, you kind of ditched me when I asked you to surf on top of my car, which is the whole <laughs> thing that happens in that film for no reason. He stops playing basketball. Ferris just leans into all of it. Starts seeing both the girls because it's Ferris and he's a douchebag. Yep. And eventually he still sides with Boof because he's not a terrible person. He's just not great. Um, realizes the other girl is only into him because he's the wolf. And while he's still into that, but he's like, nah, I don't need it. I don't want to be in the play because she was an actress. Positive thing. Positive thing. Sloan is just like not even just an completely option. over all no, this. So like, like, first off, the... you're a witch. Yeah. Where'd that come from? <laughs> now you're a witch werewolf. Too much for me, man. Too much. All right. So, like, okay. So what happens to Sloan? Does she just like go to college? Yeah. She she has a perfectly she has normal a, life. Perfectly normal life. Whereas in Cameron's just fucked forever because yeah. now he's cursed as a werewolf. Yep. But he and eventually dead because he had to fight to the death. With... I I think he might win. Oh, you think he kills Ferris? Ferris wouldn't try hard enough. But Ferris heals himself he, with, with his powers witch's powers at the end of the movie. <laughs> Hand coming out of the grave. <laughs> so he lets Cameron think he won. And then heals himself and so leaves. So it's kind of like the the like while well, like he lost his best friend, but he restored his confidence. Yeah, and it's almost the same ending as Ferris. Where he learns to stand up to his dad. Like he stood up to Ferris, so that kind of reaches Cameron's arc. And then he goes to become uh, on Wall Street and becomes very successful, but also still a werewolf, which is a movie starring Jack Nicholson called Wolf, I believe. <laughs> Not a good film. Great, but he it's really famous because he wakes up in the field covered in blood, and there's a dead deer. You've Makes probably sense. seen that scene in other probably. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't remember Michael Keaton's name, but I know a wolf with Jack Nicholson <laughs> and Teen Witch. Um, Red Dawn with Ferris okay. Bueller. Red Dawn. Ooh, Ferris just gets killed. I think he would. He if if it was just Ferris, like you know, Patrick Swayze would be like, guys, get down, Wolverines. <laughs> Ferris Bueller shot. Yeah. First sniper rifle from the Russians. But now that he has witch and werewolf powers, I think he runs the world. Yeah, sure. No, 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 no. He beats but the Russians the and takes is, over. The thing is, if he has those powers, they've got to have something on their side. So almost like you think like almost like how the Nazis were were studying supernatural. Some kind of escalation had to happen. So while they're looking for the Holy Grail so Hitler can live forever, the Russians are like, bitch, we got teen witch powers. Yeah. So they have their own teen witch yeah. and werewolves? Yeah, they have like Baba Yaga or something. <laughs> they have Beetlejuice. <laughs> Turns out he's run into him several times throughout his life. <laughs> they call him Baba Yaga. Juice. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't Baba Yaga just like a witch? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I know some things. I don't. Th- I don't think uh, Baba Yaga might be Russian. It's Russian. Just Eastern. Sure. Europe, it's just Eastern European. European. Yeah. More probably more Romanian. Yeah. A Romanian. I think there's some amount of Polish or something in there. Man, I don't know. It's if you know the actual origins of Baba Yaga, I, shoot you know, us a I'm, message. I might. I might research that just because I'm curious. Um, got to play the the Laura. I, I was went back and was playing Lara Croft, and one of the first expansions is the Baba Yaga. Anyways, so Red Dawn, he either dies, he either, <laughs> he either dies a hero or lives long enough to see himself become the villain. <laughs> oh, man. Also, you think that like Heath Ledger kind of aped Beetlejuice's style a little bit for his Joker? Oh, man. Maybe not like the acting, but just like the look of it. I think the frazzled nature, maybe, but... I think he was informed by I don't think he stole it. There's something there, sense. though. There's something there. That's for another show that we have. Uh, Labyrinth. Never saw it. Really? Yeah. I know oh. it's fantastic. I, I see. I stand by that it's not a fantastic film. I think it's fun, and it was, like, seminal, you know, for the 80s. I don't think it's a perfect film by any means. Um, I don't know anyone who says it's a perfect film. I just know that everyone likes it. So I think you replace Ziggy Stardust, and instead you have Ferris playing the Goblin King, and... <laughs> Less flamboyant and more cool. Like, hey, chick, if you stay here, I won't eat your little brother or whatever the hell that... Labyrinth gets weird, man. Yep. Real weird. <laughs> but instead, like, that's, again, that's the inevitable. After he becomes Beetlejuice, he uses his powers to then go to this other land where he is now lonely. Because while he's the coolest cat there, he's got no one to challenge him. Yeah. And that's a big thing that Ferris strives on as the supernatural teen witch, Beetlejuice, werewolf, werewolf entity, <laughs> now, the, now the Goblin King. Is he always had challengers? So all he's his other he's just a supreme being. He's the supreme that being there. Challenge. He's challenged. So he brings this this girl's little brother there and is like, "Come fight me." You know what is a fair fight? How about a teenage babysitter? Yeah, there's something weird there. Also, Adventures of Babysitting could be in there somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where. I just like I'm like That's another '80s film that could use some Ferris Bueller. Like he hasn't touched that one. <laughs> um. Uh, Real Genius. You ever see this one? This is actually, I think, technically a 70s movie. I think this is like 79, maybe 81. Like, really, really early 80s, if so. I don't know that I've seen it. I might have. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. So this starts Val Kilmer. Okay. And uh, another really unknown actor. I can't remember. 
what else they did. But essentially, the popcorn so, movie? Yes, it is the popcorn. It's got the popcorn. Everyone remembers the popcorn scene, so I'm, I'm glad you've heard of it a little bit. <laughs> so Real Genius is about this young kid who essentially skips the last couple of grades of high school and go, gets shipped off to college, because that was something you can do in the 80s. Even if you're a genius, you're like, you know what? Just go off to school by yourself still. It's fine. You're at college. But it's a really high-end college. He gets bunked with the other geniuses, who is Val Kilmer, who has learned to not only just be a genius, but also, like, the cool genius. Yeah. He's he's used his powers to be Tony Stark of the school, basically. You know how he got to be the cool genius? How? Because he had Beetlejuice helping him. <laughs> and that's how we insert Ferris Bueller. <laughs> yeah. He's who taught him to be cool. Yeah. So, like, actually, you do... You can't... You don't do real genius. Real genius still happens. You do the prequel, and it's all about Ferris Bueller... Cheating his way into the school using yep. his teen witch, Ferris Bueller, werewolf powers, and and being Beetlejuice. and a deal with Beetlejuice, and uh, <laughs> and he goes to the genius school where his powers are negated by all the science because yep. you know all the magic, magic and science don't all the, go all, well. all them see through his they see his through nonsense. the magic and they're like magic is just science we don't <laughs> understand yet and they negate it with some machines <laughs> and Val Kilmer helps them beat those bullies and take over the school but in the in like. On the way, he teaches Val Kilmer to be cool. Yeah, I like that. It's not if if it is just Ferris Bueller in in Real Genius. It's all about him just pretending to be a genius the whole time. <laughs> yeah, like he's just faking it. He skipped his final grade because like there was the whole save Ferris thing, yeah. and somehow all of his homework got done by some mysterious benefactor. And there's like time to go to college. He's yeah. like, well, fuck it. I guess <laughs> I guess I'm a genius. <laughs> I'd watch that film. <laughs> Out of all of these, uh, Dirty Dancing. Go on. I think he is baby. <laughs> and it's it's all about Patrick Swayze learning to put his pride aside and go after the girl who challenged him. Yeah. But also Ferris learning that some people have worse problems than their daddy not supporting them to going to dance school. Yeah. Because that's what happens in dancing. Who gets the who gets the abortion? I don't know. Somebody he fucked as a werewolf. I, I'm just throwing it out there. Something. In oh, the it's the, the the blonde girl. Yeah, no, but I mean like in this story. No, in it's the, the Ferris, blonde girl. It's still the blonde girl? The 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 blonde girl from like three movies from, ago. From Teen Wolf? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. It's the blonde girl from when he started dating both girls. Oh. Yeah, you bring it all back together. Yeah. Also, do you then try to combine Patrick Swayze's character from Dirty Dancing and the Red Dawn scenario? Ooh. Because not only can he you fight gotta, off some Russians, you, you gotta, right? but he also can dance like yeah, a motherfucker. You gotta. You gotta. Oh my god. No, no, and that's how he that's how he can fight the Russians. That's how he defeats the Russians <laughs> with dance. <laughs> Borishnikov style. <laughs> oh my god. It works. <laughs> I think we got something here. As soon as you can start referencing Borishnikov, I think you got legs. I think that that's how you know a project is really coming. Yeah, together. you usually do need legs. <laughs> You throw in some like, which uh, who is the girl who got clubbed by the the, the figure skaters? That whole that I whole thing. Don't know. No. No. Okay. Anyway, Tanya Harding and another one. She she clubbed that girl. Okay. Anyways, Nightmare <laughs> on Elm Street. This is the final one. This is this is the final challenge of fully powered Ferris with Beetlejuice powers, and that's how he can enter the dream realm yep. to then fight off Freddy Krueger. Yep. Does he take over that mantle, or does Freddy Krueger best him and traps him in his own imaginary thoughts? I think I think they are equals. I think it's your your unstoppable force, your immovable, immovable object, and they are locked forever in combat. That's kind of what happens in Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. So instead of Freddy versus Jason, it's Freddy versus Beetlejuice, but Beetlejuice is now Ferris. Yeah. I like that a lot. So like they're 
they keep each other in the dream realm because that's where they have. No, they kind of so. What they do, because in the Freddy vs. Jason movie, they put Jason to sleep and they use him to then fight off Freddy. So yep. eventually Freddy becomes the real bad guy. Yeah. And Jason's got to Jason take him down. Jason is on the in protagonist this, side. Ferris has become too powerful. Being being the Goblin King, oh getting bored there, he comes out and he's the antagonist. And they recruit Freddy Krueger to take down Beetlejuice, who is now Ferris Bueller. <laughs> and that is the end of the series. Cameron comes and guests and he's like, listen, I know a story of a man. Yeah. And like, we can Let take me, down Ferris. It's an old, old Cameron <laughs> Who comes in on a wheelchair but with, still, a, with like an old tome of like cracked leather? How did he cure his werewolfism? Because he had to have been cured by now. I think that's. I think that was the whole point. It was like he spent his entire life researching the supernatural and finally found a cure. And I think the cure is to beat Ferris. Ooh, he, find, he just wants to die. But he's like kind of like. Uh, Oh shoot, Pan, Low Pan yeah. from uh, from Big Trouble Little China. He just wants to die. He yeah. wants to be mortal finally, and that's how he does it. He's like, I found the gr-. so he recruits the teenagers to be bait for Beetlejuice, and he gets Freddy Krueger. He's like, we're gonna pit them against each other, and if he kills F- Ferris, then I am cured of my werewolfism, and if he kills Freddy Krueger, well, we killed Freddy Krueger. So he's gotta be. He's somehow gotta be the host entity. It's his dream. Ooh. They, they have to use Cameron's body Ooh. to make the dream because then if one of them dies, Cameron also dies and in the end. And this movie is kind of like a callback to not only all the 80s movies because it's Cameron remembering not being invited to all these crazy parties that happened, but also the flashes to all of the other movies starring Ferris and it's like Ferris having to relive his best and worst nightmares. But also, Ferris was in Cameron's head the whole time. <laughs> It's just Fight Club still. It still ends like Fight Club. <laughs> it turns out it's just, it, these are all the mad ravings, and it's just the mad ravings of a guy on his deathbed after a stroke. Yeah. And it's he's holding the snow globe, like from St. Elsewhere. He's going, uh, Rosebud, which is a different movie. But I think they both end in front of a fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That was Ooh. our 80s protag swap episode, which <laughs> quickly devolved into Ferris Bueller stars and everything. And I think that's my new favorite game of all time. Oh. That's what we're going to take off air. <laughs> How would Ferris... What, where does this fit in the Ferris Bueller canon? <laughs> so if you liked that episode, go check out our other episodes. Like, subscribe over on iTunes. Drop a review. Five-star review does so much for us that you don't understand. If you just do just want to listen, though, that's wonderful, too. We appreciate all the support. If you want to support us even further, head over to our Patreon, Professional Entropy... Uh, well, it's patreon.com slash professional entropy. That's our parent company that has all of our other media, all of our other podcasts. You can check out all of our other crazy pop culture ravings. You can hear us talk about video games. Anything that you really desire, you can check us out over there. If you want to contact us, pitch us your own stuff. We're at Pitch for Pitch Podcast. You can check us out over on our official website, professionalentropy.com slash contact us. There's a contact form over there. You can send any sort of feedback or mad ravings, who you think Beetlejuice would star as in any of these films. Uh, if you think Ferris Bueller doesn't fit the Beetlejuice category, you know, you can let us know that too. Why he had a fairy godmother, bless him and give him magic I th- powers. I think we got to do an entire episode just on that because I got to know, like, where did, where did this curse start? Because it really was a blessing, but it ends as a curse for the world. Uh, it was the Baba Yaga. <laughs> <laughs> That's the callback. Uh, <laughs> uh, so if you if you like all that, like I said, contest us, pitch us some more crazy things. This all came from because somebody said, "Hey, wh- what would you do if we put Ferris Bueller in Breakfast Club?" And I was like, "Oh, I can work with that." <laughs> um, if you want to tweet at me directly, Terry Smith, I'm at Resident Evil, and John Oprah is at at Mr. Oprah, no H, no H. 
So if you want to send us your direct pitches and challenges, you can check us out over there. We are on the Instagrams, P podcasts, you know, pitch for pitch. You can check us out over there. We are on Tumblr, strangely enough. We're still tumbling. We we have Tumblr. That's our next album. Is still tumbling. Yeah, we 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 have a Tumblr. Have we tumbled third? No, I have not. I have not. I not not on purpose. <laughs> My Tumblr dirt by accident uh, once in a while. So yeah. So uh, this has been pitch for pitch. We're out.